Hi, Lisa. Hi, Tina. Welcome to another episode of The Body Love Construct, where we have intelligent, opinion-based conversations around reconstructing the generational condition that has influenced Black women's narratives about themselves. Through our discussions, we hope you'll find something that gets you to thinking about stories you've formed about yourself and determine if perhaps it's time to rethink a few things. So our podcast topic today is about being seen and heard. Yeah, I know when I was young, my family or parents often said children should be seen and not heard. And we were not allowed to participate in quote unquote adult conversations. And we always should have shooed off to another room when the adults were speaking. I don't see that so much now with my nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews where kids are sort of scattered off as if they're not part of something. They're not part of learning something based on what's been, and I get it, you know, there's certain things that we shouldn't be around to hear our, our families talk about. But that whole thing about not being seen can really affect your emotional development. You know, if you're a kid and say, well, we, we don't want to see you, just, you know, children, we shouldn't have to see you, then kids begin to formulate sort of hiding and I feel that when I think about being young and that when I got older, I think that played into part of my thought process about hiding myself because the body just had. I think messaging sort of plays through in time with us. And it definitely made an impact on me. Did you have any feeling or did your family say anything like that to you? No, we, our family was fairly laid back about it. And Mm -hmm. when there were, unless there were conversations that we really shouldn't be a part of, some adult conversations. I remember we were sent to the basement, but little did our parents and family know that we can hear you through the vent. Mm -hmm. Heard all of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, sometimes it's just kind of the, the action of meaning, you know, you not being a part this conversation that you shouldn't be a part of. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we were open to, you know, around the dinner table and aunts and uncles, cousins or all there. We all had conversations together. And it's interesting because my husband's family did not. And even to the point where in his family, the women and the men would separate. Mm. And I remember before we got married, we were going to his cousin's wedding and the women were over here. The women said, we're going to go and make some, you know, whatever those little flowers. We're going to, to the craft store and make those little flowers. I seriously thought that was a cold word for we're going to the strip club. Oh, 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 oh. But I thought the, the men were like, we're going bowling. And I was like, oh, we're going to the strip club. We can see some naked men. Oh, oh, no, Tina, there was no naked men at all. There was actually... <laughs> flowers that we went to Frank's nursery. I was so disappointed and I was irritated. And so my husband ran off with his cousins. And when he came back, I kind of, he was my husband back then, but 
I kind of wanted to kill him because I thought that he went to the strip club and I didn't get to go to a strip club. Oh, and you wanted to go to the strip club. <laughs> I, I, I might see why it. Here's Mr. Flowers. Why are you out here looking at the things? That... Turns out they really did go to the bowling alley. So none of oh, us wow. had fun. But, but that was the first um, exposure I had to like the women and the men actually separating. Hmm. Because in my family, the men were in the kitchen too. And the women were watching the sports in the living room also so we kind of just went you know to and from and even with the kids we had meaningful debates with between adults and children and yeah. my husband you know my daughter one time we were doing talking or something and he was sending her away and I pulled him aside and I was like listen that's not what we want to do right we want our daughter to have a strong voice and if you, if you do that scene and not heard business she's she's not going to have a strong voice because she's going to feel like it's not, it's not right. Yeah. And and he totally, he totally understood. And, and we went further than I guess most parents do because we let our daughter just say things however she wanted to say them out of her mouth. I think we talked about it uh, once before. I mean, even curse words, she, she knew that there were certain things you couldn't say in front of other people, but in our house, just us, mm -hmm. You know, you could just say whatever you want as long as it was respectful. Yeah. And you weren't being, you know, you weren't hurting people or anything like that. But a lot of times it was just, it kind of, it went to her development. Sometimes it was just some hilarious things. One time we were driving in the car and I'm not going to repeat what he said, but <laughs> it was so hilarious. I had to pull the car over. Yeah. Because it was just funny. But she, she many times she would have not been able to say that in front of, she wouldn't have been able to say that in front of people, just us. Yeah. I think, you know, thinking back, especially now with my nieces and nephews and their, my nieces and nephews are all older people and have, two of my nieces have children of their own at this point. And I remember as when I was visiting with them or they might be visiting with us somewhere, not wanting them to be suppressed in what they wanted to say or to contribute. I love the fact that my nieces came to visit once and it was a whole bunch of us cackling hen women my girlfriends from <laughs> way back when it's a family we're really close to and i think they were fascinated at all of the banter and how quickly conversations were moving mm -hmm. and they were i could see the little eyes like what is going on here but it was with interest and we didn't keep them from if they wanted to say something they could mm -hmm. and i i love the fact that I got to a point where I wasn't saying you you guys don't need to be or or even, I never got to a point where you guys shouldn't be in here. Mm -hmm. I never said that to them. And I think about when again when I was younger, it's a wonder that I am as verbose as I am because when I was much younger, I didn't feel like I had a voice. I wrote. I started writing when I was six. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't, were not encouraged to express opinions. We didn't have an opinion as far as, well, you know, parents were concerned. So I, I think back, and it's not with negativity, it's just the way they were raised. Right. Is that children didn't get to do this expressing themselves or giving an opinion on something or whatever it was because I said so. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to, well, what do you think? Right. So again, I, by the time I got to, I'm trying to think when I started getting really encouraged to, or encouraging myself, and I would have to say 
like when I when I went to Howard, my degree was in communications. <laughs> It wasn't. It was kind of my default that I got to communications because I had other paths before then, and decided that that was not the way that I wanted to go, and ended up in communications. Then went in a completely different direction when I got out of college. Did not use any of that communications broadcast production background that I spent, you know, four years learning and sitting in studios doing. I did write for the campus literary magazine as the co-editor but it was still almost back to being a younger person of myself expressing myself through writing Mm -hmm. as opposed to standing up and talk other than when we were recording Mm -hmm. stuff in the studio or doing our projects for class you know I was very verbose then but I actually sort of reverted back into again being more quiet as I started to progress through different careers. And partially because I wasn't comfortable or I felt within myself, I just didn't, I wasn't sure of what I had to say. But then when I went to graduate school, we had class in public school. Not only did we have to take the class, we got recorded and we had to go sit with the instructor and look at the the, uh, tapes. I remember being horrified at, you know, how I looked and how I presented myself, but I got really good at it. Mm -hmm. Got really good at it. And it was then that I started doing my, my progression as a public speaker just got better once I got out of college and when I had a job, I started getting on our speaking circuit and all of that. And it's interesting because we've talked about, you know, my issues with body, with my physical body. And I, and I so I'm sitting here saying this to you now, I'm thinking I was in conflict with my physical body then, but I would get up at a podium or do a speech. But I, I was asked to do speeches. I get, went around New York doing them. I had, you know, I gave classes. I taught classes. And I'm thinking now, now how the heck, what was happening there for me? When you're, some part of you is quietly, I guess was quietly in conflict. And the other part of me was trying to break out mm-hmm. and be seen and heard. And not just hope you read my writing, heard, but you hear my voice. Mm-hmm. And then... I take that even further to more present day and doing the workshops. It's like a stage for me. Once I get up there doing, I am like all into everything. And one of the things that I do teach and talk about a lot is people want to be listened to. They want to be listened to, but more importantly, they want to be heard. One thing to listen, but are you really hearing? what I'm saying and absorbing what else I'm maybe I'm not saying mm-hmm. by paying attention to what what's happening because I've taught communication skill and it's more than just what you hear people say how they speak it's how they gesture I gesture a lot you can't see that folks but I gesture a lot when I'm talking we're sitting here together I gesture a lot when I talk and I heard Viola Davis say something you know, as again, I said, people don't want to be listened to. They want to be heard. And she said, but we've got to see ourselves first. 
Wow. I guess it's true. Yes, it's true. Do, do we see ourselves and know who we are enough to want somebody else to listen to us? Mm-hmm. If we're not comfortable with ourselves, and maybe the and getting back to what we do, the stories and narratives that we have, then maybe we aren't really wanting to I can I kind of vacillate between the two. Mm-hmm. By the way, my biggest college dream before I graduated from high school was to go to Howard University and study communications. Oh wow! I did okay. That's the first I did not know that. <laughs> that was my number one dream. It didn't really pan out that way, but in the end, I still got to go to Howard University, mm-hmm. and I went to the School of Law. And that brings up another interesting thing that happened. I was in I was in a course where we had to do something like moot court and I was completely panicking having a complete meltdown and my professor said aren't don't you go and dance in front of hundreds of people every single weekend and I was like stood there like yeah but what's the difference and you know I thought about it and the difference was that when I danced I couldn't be challenged people tried it Mm-hmm. And I chewed them up and spit them out. But I wasn't there yet with my words, mm-hmm. my spoken words. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can write it, but not necessarily the spoken words. So that's, it might be something to that, you know. Yeah. I needed more. I needed to see myself. But no, dancing on, on stage in a costume in front of hundreds of people, that was no problem at all. I mean, I think that it's a case when I think about this a little further is, is do we want to be looked at or do we want and, you know, again, this play art, you and I talk about words and the mm-hmm. meanings of words all the time. And I, I I think when I hear the words looked at, that means you can look at me, but you're not seeing. Right. Looking at you centers the person doing the looking. Right. Seeing you, you are the center. And what you choose to put forward is what will be interpreted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other thing you know is, is the whole thing about how we listen and are we really listening to people so we're still you know talking in this listening to someone i think all this listening and hearing and seeing especially in a in a visual arena is is are we listening to people again are we being heard but in smaller groups are we allowing people to really express themselves? We like to cut people off. People like to cut you off, and they're already thinking about the next thing. And I, I'm very, I'm always really fascinated, and got really fascinated about this whole, you know, looking at looking at each other, hearing each other, being seen, listening, and making sure that we are paying attention. People do want to be seeing they want to be hurt you know this evil of speak or what is it speak no evil see no evil speak no evil and we want to speak speak it all we want to be yeah we want to be seen and whether it's you're saying something that somebody may not like that's a part of life we may not like a lot of things that we hear but we've got to listen and be in tune to what's going on instead of tuning things out Right. And as I hearken that back to being a child and sort of being invisible 
and now I think visibility and voice are things that are important. Very important. Very, especially in the context of your narrative. Right. Excuse me. I'm sorry, guys. Sneak. Oh, well, these things happen. I can take it out. But in the in the context of being able to shape your own narrative, you do have to think about if you want to be in control of it, then you need to be seen rather than looked at. Mm -hmm. And you need to be listened to rather than just heard. Mm -hmm. And that might affect the message. Well, so I'm wondering, you know, when you say you want to be, I think it, when I look at it, it's you want to, you want to be listened to, but you want to be heard because mm -hmm. listening, I'm here, I'm hearing, but I don't know if I'm hearing you. I'm listening to noise coming through, but am I hearing that that little word there is something that resonated with me if I'm not really paying attention? Right. And I guess I'm just at it from the inverse yeah if you're yeah. listening then you actually hear the nuances whereas if you just there you hear the noise it's yeah. just noise the, the play on words people you know it, it is the play on words yeah it's it's you can turn what we're talking about is you know you, know, you turn these things around mm -hmm. to work but the, the main thing we're trying to get across is that people do want to really be seen, heard, listened to part of it. Most, many, and even some people who we think don't really do. And that plays into paying attention to what's being said and what's not being said. And being in tune with people that are around you. And I, I, I move that into not a deep discussion or, or that we really want to go into, but the paying attention and listening and how the not listening and not seeing and pushing people to be more invisible, meaning I don't want to hear you, don't want to see you, is how people get into these mental health and emotional health situations that sometimes can lead to them not more or we're not paying attention. Right. And I think it's important that through this discussion that we are talking really about the mental body, the emotional body, and even the social body, because you're socializing more people one-on-one or face-to-face. And the importance of showing up and being physically present in mind, body, soul, spirit with that other person and making sure maybe you're missing something that they want to tell you. That can be therapeutic for everyone involved mm -hmm. we had done an episode about truth that is how you can hear truth and that changes your changes who you are yeah i saw this quote john h rhodes and it said do more than hear listen do more than listen understand and i think that's sort of the crux Pay attention and get it. Right. Especially your folks out there with kids and stuff. Make sure you know what's going on with your children and even your friends. I'm not even going to limit that to children. 
with our adult friends, family, we need to pay attention. We need to make sure we're hearing them, listening to them, and then trying to understand as opposed to being too caught up in our own narratives and stories that we're not hearing somebody else's story, somebody else's that they're trying to tell us. I will share something really personal. I was writing something the other day, and I've written this story. I had written this story a long time ago, and it dawned on me that I would always say, well, my mother didn't speak up about certain things. And then I realized my mother was a painter. She was an artist. And it, it dawned on me that she was talking through her paintings. Wow. And I was like, duh, how long did it take me to do that? This has been, you know, 60 plus years. I'm just getting to understand that everybody doesn't speak their story. Sometimes they do it in Right. And we got to be attuned to understanding. So listening, not just with your ears, but with your eyes and with your personal self, it's something that thinking about our body, putting our full body into something when we're interacting with people, we talk about the senses, but we need to talk about all of those things, the emotional self, the physical self, the social self, the spiritual self, and getting that involved when we're interacting with people, particularly our kids, our families, a one-on-one basis, making that a part of our lives. That's a really important message. Yeah. yeah. And it's a skill that, that needs to be learned. It takes time. It ta- and it takes patience, I have to say. I, I did not arrive on the scene with the ability to sit and listen to someone, understand them, and actually be able to interpret what is going on with them just by having some interaction with them. That was not something, that was something that came to me later in life once I got into mindfulness and some of the other holistic practices that I have and then understanding people's energy, it made me more patient and made me allow to pick up on what's going on with people based on what they may say and what they may not say and how I see them as they sit in front of me, what they do. Mm-hmm. Do they look at me? Do they not look at me? Do they look away? Do they... Here's any gestures or their hands all, you know, hold it up a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, well. Very true. Well, I guess that's all for this episode. Generational wealth is like. Generational love. Love like generational. Generational love is like generational wealth. We, we must have to pass, pass it, it on. on. You know, sometimes we have to look at the words, people, but enjoy your day. <laughs> so our podcast topic today is being seen and not heard. Or heard and seen, not seen. Seen and seen. Start. Take this, this week. 